0: hi fake carla hey fake glory guess who fake ben a good story takes us on a journey it reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go a good story makes us feel and inspires us to act welcome to the good story podcast where everyday stories that make you laugh cry or feel slightly uncomfortable We'll leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. A doppelganger, by definition, is one living person who looks exactly like another. I often have people tell me that I look like someone they know. I remind them of someone. I think I just have a rather normal-looking look about me or something. One time, I had a family from church tell me I looked exactly like an employee who worked at Office Max. They went on and on and on about it. So much so, they insisted she could be mistaken for me or for my sister. The next time I needed to go to Office Max, I thought, I'll casually try to see which employee this is. Finally, I saw a blonde lady, and her hair was styled similarly to mine, so I figured it must be her. So I chose to go through her checkout line to get a closer look. When she saw my debit card, she said, oh, oh, you're Kirsten King. People have told me I look like you before. I said, yeah, I've heard that too. And then we paused and we awkwardly looked like deep into each other's eyes before I said, okay, this is weird. And she said, yeah, I don't really see it. (laughs) There was a time people would say I looked just like Rosanna Arquette back when she was in the big blue in the late 1980s. I also was told numerous times I resembled Victoria Jackson, who was on SNL in the early 90s. And they would say, especially, you remind me just of her, especially when she, like, performs her ditzy blonde sketches. So, thank you. (laughs) I know there are all kinds of tests people can take online to find your celebrity doppelganger. I actually just tried that a couple of minutes ago on BuzzFeed. Because I thought, oh, it'd be fun to say what came up. Big mistake, though, because before I even got to that quiz, I got distracted by all the others and just plummeted down the rabbit hole. Find out which one of the girls going to meet the matchmaker in Mulan you are. I'm the third girl. (laughs) Or, if you can guess all 11 of these Disney characters by these brain teasers, you are a genius. I got 89%. I was only amazing, I was not a genius, which made me feel badly until I found out that if I was a comfort food, I'd be lasagna. Like lasagna, you have lots of layers to your personality. You're not the easiest person to get to know, and you can be shy in big groups. But once you get to know people, you let your personality shine and you reveal a hidden sociable and outgoing side. Your multifaceted personality is one of the things people love about you. Well, there you have it. And for my celebrity Doppelganger quiz result, wait for it. You probably already guessed it. Ready? Yep. Viola Davis. (laughs) Obviously, these are some pretty accurate quizzes. I have to say, I was excited to hear I was Viola Davis much more so than I was when I was mistaken for Brian at the Caribou. Do you remember that? Some of you might from season one, episode nine. I remember it. I'll never forget it. I don't need to know what season or episode it was. I remember it because it's burned in my brain and I can't not remember it. Have you ever mistaken someone for somebody else? I did that just this morning. No kidding. I was walking out of Marshalls and from a distance, a woman was walking toward me that looked just like my friend Carla. Same short haircut, same color, same body type, same gait. I waved from a distance. She waved back. We got a little closer And we started having doubts, but not enough to stop looking at her. I just looked more intently, probably scaring her. By the time we were passing one another and close enough to shake hands if we had decided to, I realized it wasn't Carla, but I was already driving down Friendly Road. So instead of telling her I'd mistaken her for someone else, I just overdid my good morning, have a great day, to which she nodded and said, wow, thanks. As soon as I passed her, I rolled my eyes, shook my head, and said, well, it could have been worse, I guess. And then I immediately thought of two times when it was. One time I was driving, and I saw a friend's car ahead of me. Not too far, just a bit. It took me a little while, though, to maneuver around some cars. I was on the freeway until I was driving right next to her car on the freeway. I came up, and I thought, this will be a great surprise. I started honking my horn, and I flashed the rockin' hand gesture, and I'm like, "Hey!" When I glanced over, I expected to see my friend. And instead, I saw an unfamiliar man driving this familiar car. But at this point, what do you do? I can't explain who I thought he was or why I did what I did. Instead, I just locked eyes with him for a moment, sort of nodded and drove off. But still, still, that wasn't the worst time I'd mixed up someone for somebody else. That happened years earlier, when I was either a senior in college or just graduated. I can't remember exactly. What I do remember exactly is this. I had gone out for dinner with my friend Carol to Lian Chin's downtown Minneapolis. Before I go on, when I was writing this, I just I kind of tend to go off on tangents. And I'd written Leanne Chin, and I started being curious. Is that a restaurant that's around in more places than just the Twin Cities area? And in fact, it is. It's in some different airports in Atlanta and other places as well. But Lian Chin, just so you know... In case you're interested, as I am, Lian Chin was born in 1933 on my birthday, the same day as me, February 13th. She was a Chinese-born American restaurateur. She was an entrepreneur, a businesswoman. She founded the restaurant chain in the Twin Cities metropolitan area in 1980. She was born in China. Did I say that? I can't remember either way, she was. She was the daughter of a grocery store owner, and she worked at the grocery store as a cashier, cleaner, stocking, shelves, stuff like that, and a bicycle delivery person, I remember. She married her husband, Tony, when she was a teenager, and then they moved to Hong Kong and lived there in a few for a few years. And then in 1956, she immigrated to the United States with her husband, and they settled in Minnesota. Chin worked, I find this fascinating, Chin worked first as a seamstress, at several Minneapolis clothing stores after taking classes to learn how to mend clothes and create wedding dresses. She started selling clothes out of her home in South Minneapolis while she and her husband raised their five kids. She also, during this time of running her clothing business, became interested in food and restaurants. She started cooking free meals at her house and she'd host dinner parties for customers like as a thank you for their business. Pretty soon, the customers requested that Chin host cooking classes and cater events. Eventually, Chin opened up the restaurant named Lian Chin after herself at the Bonaventure Mall in Minnetonka, Minnesota in 1980. This restaurant, it was one of the first to offer Cantonese and Szechuan cuisine to the Twin Cities area. It had more than 100 menu items. Most of them she created herself. It was really, it was a beautiful beautiful restaurant from what i read not only in wikipedia but in other places as well had a sit down dining room the menus all had fancy calligraphy on them so she'd make food it took forever it'd sell out make food take forever sell it the next location was at st paul union depot downtown st paul and that was in 84 then another one she opened and then another one she opened um in 85, she sold the rights to her name and her restaurants to General Meals. She regained the own ownership until 1988, but then she left the business in the 90s. And by then, Lian Chin had become a Chinese fast food operation. That's actually why I started looking because I remembered going to Lian Chin for the story I'm about to tell you. But I'm like, ah, that's fast food. Maybe it wasn't called Lian Chin, but I need to be accurate if I'm telling a story. So that's how I started looking up. Was it really? And it was. It was one of the sit down restaurants that I had been to. But currently, now there's lots of fast food um, and takeout locations as well. She ended up teaching cooking. She had a cooking show on PBS, a couple cookbooks, and then eventually she moved to um, Washington, the state, and lived on Bainbridge Island. Um, I looked to see if she was still alive, but she died in um, 2010 uh, of complications of liver cancer in 19, when she was 77. I almost feel like I'm stalling here, but I don't, I don't mean to be. So years ago, my friend Carol and I decided to eat at the downtown Minneapolis fancy location, of Lian Chin's restaurant. It was pretty. It had few levels for seating. People would often go there to celebrate special events like birthdays or anniversaries, or would just go to enjoy dinner and relax while they ate. That's why we went. We ordered and we ate and talked. We got caught up. She went to a different college than I did. So we tried to get together and, and eat and get caught up with um, where one another was at and stuff. So we were there. Eating, talking, laughing. We'd see people come, order, eat, and leave as we stayed and stayed. Finally, we decided it was time to go. So we got up, left our table, walked to the restrooms to use them before we left. As we exited the bathrooms, from a distance, I saw a big round table of people sitting together with some presents off to one side. I recognized my friend Ben from college sitting with his back to us. I told Carol, oh, I know that guy. That's Ben. I went to college with him. So I said, I'm just going to go say hi. So as we were leaving, I went up to him. I kind of put my arms around him from the back and my hands over his eyes and said, guess who? He didn't guess. He said, I don't know, and took my hands and pulled them away from his eyes. Also, side note here, I hate, like I super, super hate it when people do that to me. So I have no idea still why I did that to him that day, but I did. So as he pulled my hands away from his eyes, saying, I don't know, he turned around. And I looked at him and I realized that not only did he not know who I was when he wasn't looking at me, he still didn't know who I was when he was. And I realized I didn't know who he was either. It wasn't Ben. I stood once again, staring him in the eyes and I froze. I didn't say, you look just like my friend Ben. I didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, I mixed you up with someone else. I stood there staring. I didn't say, oh my gosh, oops. And I didn't say, "Ooh, clearly you don't know who I am because I actually don't know who you are either. Instead, I stared, I paused, I smiled and turned and walked away quickly. Not too quickly, like... I still had the opportunity to hear the girl who was sitting next to fake Ben say, you really don't have any idea who she is? And I heard fake Ben say, I really, I really don't. I wanted to go back and explain myself, but mostly I wanted myself to just leave. So I just kept walking. Once Carol and I had a little more distance between us and the table, we started laughing and laughing and we couldn't stop. I can't wait to remind her of this. What's the deal here? (laughs) Is it a big deal if I wave and say hi to fake Carla in the Marshall's parking lot or, or wave at fake Lori on the freeway eh, and reach out and touch non-Ben, fake Ben at Lian Chin's? Not really. It's not a real big deal, so I got mix it mixed up with someone else. No problem. But if I mistake someone else for God, that is a big deal. Why might that be? How might that happen? Let's take a look at John 10, 1 to 5, and find out. Jesus is talking, and he says this. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own... He goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to them about thieves, sheep, and a shepherd. Jesus sees the people that he created and loves as sheep. This is an illustration the Pharisees would have been familiar with, too. They would have passages that they could think back on in the Old Testament that referred to people as sheep and God is the shepherd. This would have landed somewhere as they were listening. Of course, we think first of Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But also what the Pharisees would have had at top of mind would be Psalm 80, verse one. Oh, give ear, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned above the cherubim, Shine forth. Also, Jeremiah 31, verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you nations, proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. Jesus begins in this chapter talking to the Pharisees about a general sheepfold and general thieves and a general shepherd. <laughs> he paints this picture. If someone's going after the sheep by climbing in some way that's not designed for the shepherd, they're a thief. They are coming with poor intentions and ill will. The shepherd, on the other hand, knows his individual sheep, comes through the gate, and calls them by name. Come on. And what do the sheep do? They hear his voice and respond. In these sheepfolds, it wasn't like there was one sheepfold for each flock. There were multiple flocks sometimes in these sheepfolds. So you'd open the gate and you'd call your sheep and yours would come and the others would stay. What do the sheep do? They hear his voice and respond. They turn to what they've been doing and start walking toward the door. They know it's their shepherd. He sounds just like their shepherd. They'd recognize his voice anywhere. They've come to recognize it after spending so much time with him. Interesting, isn't it? Likely the shepherd isn't just shouting out names once in the morning and calling it good, the shepherd is likely speaking to the sheep throughout the day, so much so that the voice is familiar. Think of David. He was a shepherd that we know of, right? What was he doing? He was playing and singing. I don't know he's singing when he's calling the sheep, but he clearly they would hear his voice over and over. The shepherd knows he has to do this. He knows he has to familiarize the sheep with his voice because he understands that sheep don't see really well. So in order to get their attention, he needs to call out to them. They're not noticing the guy at the gate. Back to Jesus and the Pharisees in his story. Jesus is talking about his children as the sheep, himself as the shepherd, and the Pharisees who are after the sheep to rob them of what he came to bring them, specifically eternal life, peace, hope, the opportunity to follow the Messiah. The Pharisees weren't understanding the allegory. That's what it says in verse 6. The Pharisees didn't understand what he was talking about. Let me continue to read, picking up at verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again. It says, therefore, Jesus said again. So, he's repeating. It's the following words that he's going to say again that will cause division among the hearers, because no longer is Jesus going to be speaking about a general sheepfold, general flock of sheep, and a general shepherd. What does he say? I'm the gate Whoever enters through me will be saved. But wait a second. Is he the shepherd or the gate? Yep. (laughs) The shepherd often actually was the gate. He would lay down and sleep across the opening to the sheepfold, which was like some big fenced area, but fenced with rocks, not wood. And he would lay down there and sleep and protect them. So that's why he says, I'm the shepherd and the gate. It wasn't always the gate like that. Sometimes there was a gate with a gatekeeper, but he uses that um, illustration for that reason. So continuing to read, he goes on, they will come in and go out, the sheep now, they will come in and go out and find pasture. How are they going to find this pasture? Because the shepherd is going to be leading them to it. What kind of pastures? We know Psalm 23, green pastures, pastures that nourish, still waters, waters they can drink, them with, drink out of without feeling skittish because they can't see. So they put their heads down and they're kind of panicked. So still waters, they can drink out of still water. Sometimes that's where we're at, isn't it? in green pastures and still waters. Sometimes our shepherd leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, but as we keep following closely after him, we can know we will be back in the sheepfold at the end of the day because it is the shepherd's responsibility and the shepherd's ability to make sure that his sheep are flourishing and safe. But the thief, verse 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief is coming. What's his plan to do with the sheep if he gets in? He wants to steal them? He wants to kill them and destroy them. He wants to take their life. Jesus says, I have come that these sheep will have life and have it to the full. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, now he uses another example. This isn't the enemy, the thief but it's the hired hand, the one to whom the flock does not belong. The hired hand who could come and go. And does he come and go? What does it say? The hired hand is not the shepherd. He doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep, unlike the good shepherd. What's our takeaway here, if there is any? First, is the Lord your shepherd? Have you chosen to follow him? If so, do you recognize his voice? If you're in the word, you will. You will recognize his voice and will not listen to the voice of strangers. For example, if you hear something like, well, you know, God helps those who help themselves, you'll be like, what? That sounds to me like a thief or a robber. That sounds to me like something a hired hand who cares nothing for the sheep might say. My God, however, says something far different. He says he helps those who cannot help themselves. Like just one example in Ephesians 2, 4 to 5, where it says this, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved. This matters. It matters because the true shepherd says he will lead us when we are weak, and we need his guidance. The thief says the opposite, and his advice, if followed, would rob us of the peace that comes when we're following the one who wants us to flourish and wants us to find life. If we aren't aware of God's voice also, we might hear things like, Look out for yourself. Grab what you can. Let others fend for themselves. And we might follow that voice as if it's God's, if we don't recognize it as a stranger. That is not God's voice. God's voice is not saying, grab what you can. Look out for number one. Let everybody else fend for themselves. That is not how Jesus lived his life. As he walked and saw those who were marginalized, as he saw those that were sick, as he saw those that were hurting, As he saw those that society saw and ran away from, Jesus saw them and ran to. He ran to the widows. He ran to the sick. He ran to the lepers. He went to those who were seen as enemies. He went to these people. He didn't run from them. Instead, we hear God's voice as we read what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Nothing. There's no exception. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Empty praise for yourself. But in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. This is God's voice. This is the voice that we follow When we hear him call our name and we follow his path of righteousness, as we follow the the voice that brings life, as we follow the pattern of Christ, like he's our shepherd and we're his sheep, then he will lead us where we can meet the needs of others. And he might be leading others where they will meet our needs. He can lead us to a place of humility. He can lead us down paths where caring for others becomes us, as caring for others was Christ. He knows me. He knows what I need. He knows me because he made me. That is fact. But if I'm to walk down paths that lead to life and life to the full, as it says in John 10, or as Psalm 23 calls them, down paths of righteousness, I need to follow the shepherd, not the voices of the thieves and robbers. I need to know my shepherd's voice. And when I hear it, I need to hasten and not delay to obey. He uses the rod to protect me from the enemies, whatever that is. It can be enemies in my mind, selfish teaching, stuff I'm believing. Ah, but what about me? He can ward that off, enemies. He can ward off those who are saying false things about you. He can ward off whatever it is that is contrary to life and life to the full. And with his staff, he can reach in and draw you near. He can draw you close to himself and carry you as a shepherd carries his sheep we need to know his voice. Lord, may we be sensitive as we read your word. May we be sensitive to truth. May we follow where you lead. May we be eager. May we not tell you the right path that you're supposed to lead us down, like we know it, like we can see it, like we're all-knowing and all-powerful. May we not tell you the path to take us, but instead, may we follow you on the one that you've chosen for us, May we trust in you with all our heart. May we not rely on what we think we know, but may we acknowledge you every step of the way, knowing that as we do so, you will make our path straight. May we trust you when we understand and know exactly where you're going, and may we trust you when we don't. We don't want to follow fake God. We want you the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.